my passion's always been doing some extra stuff for the veterans and special needs and the youth and, and trying to help our local communities do stuff. And so uh, a few years back, um, another fellow that, uh, that Jason knows, Rodney Torres, he and I formed a nonprofit A to Z Foundation group. And uh, A to Z primarily focuses on doing stuff for the veterans, doing stuff for special needs folks, those that are maybe terminally ill. Um, but we also allow our local chapters to put money into their communities for some things that can make a difference, whether it's supporting more veterans or youth or doing some special needs stuff or maybe projects for conservation, you know, whatever they can do to make a difference in their community. To the RNA Outdoors podcast, fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrow Rest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment in their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention, Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro Staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camo patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. (laughs) 
50%. You can lead them to water. 50%, yeah, buddy. Right. You oh, just oh, can't oh, make them drink. Oh, you can oh, give them the books. Nothing. You can give them Something, the books, but nothing. you can't keep them from eating the pages. There you go. I'm good now. Nobody touch it. <laughs> we won't touch it. Rick, do not I'm, go there because no, you've been talking there. like this no, the whole time, I'm not touching things. Well, you can count on me. I definitely won't go there. Wow. I'll keep my distance. We hey. have derailed. The reason I have to put a parental advisory on this podcast it's is because, it, yeah, it's because yeah, Jason Quick. Oh, my Quick. God. Yes. I just got tossed <clears throat> underneath the proverbial bus. Jason Quick. That's and it. Ray. I was just Screw thinking you guys. If, if I'm drinking had, my Mountain had, Dew. If he had technical difficulties, I was hoping it was us not hearing him, That's not true. vice versa. <laughs> That's such bull. <laughs> Usually he's oh, often I'm sorry. easily that's heard. Yeah, that's right. You're often easily heard, my friend. <clears throat> you know, this is a rough crowd, and there's only two of you. Jeez, oh, cry me. I'm sorry, dear. I appreciate your uh, compliments. Is is that buck there kind of your guys' guiding light? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's. A, I mean, if the neon beauty. light wasn't next to it, he would definitely, he would definitely, you know. That's a beauty. Hell, if you come back and somebody's broke in, but the only thing they've taken is the score sheet and the deer, it's Lucas, not me. I'm, I'm just saying, don't come to Arizona. You know, I mean, yeah, no, that would be too obvious. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Paso Robles and <laughs> come down. Get a search warrant. Okay, so are we. Uh, I don't have any music, so we can't. Sorry, we're usually crazy. Yes, and you guys are drinking sunny days, Pass Robles brew. Yeah, sunny day now after a Sierra. Yeah, sunny days after a somewhat cloudy evening. Well, hey, tomorrow let's talk about it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Wait a second. Are we going to talk about A to Z first? We're going to talk well, about hunting, or are we just like freewheel? What the hell? I think we should. I mean, part of the reason we're here is is partly I think you guys should talk a little bit about your friendship over the years. But um, before we do anything, have to introduce our, our guests on the podcast, which drum roll. Nicely done. For first, we'll introduce Mr. Jason Quick, which Jason is Bam. no uh, stranger to the podcast. He's, Get you some of that. He's been on multiple times and often viewed as the illustrious sidekick. See, they call me a sidekick. I have never been called a sidekick until I started this thing. Mm-hmm. Second banjo, maybe, or well, you know, well, third some, on the violin. Johnny Carson went right to the top, and he always had a sidekick. So Somebody's fiddle sucks. He could but, be fourth you know. on the flute, so... That sounds like a piccolo. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, pardon me. But maybe Jason, you can, uh, you can bring in Rick and introduce Rick. Part of the reason we're here is because your guys' friendship and, and uh, over the years, you guys have, have been friends for years and, and Rick's been fortunate to let us come in and, uh, we're on our, our A30 tag here, our late season blacktail tag and, Rick's right in the heart of the, the, the good oh, buck man. country. Rick's half the fault of all this. Jeez, you know what, Rick? We've known each other for t- At least 20, 25 years. 25 probably. years or so, yeah. give, or, wow. give or take a half a dozen. Yeah. Um, Maybe yeah. pushing 30. Yeah, we started out doing, well, was it elk? It was elk, right? Rocky Mountain Elk. Started yep. out doing Rocky Mountain Elk. Yep. Redwood as, Chapter as, in Petaluma. As volunteers. And then, uh, let's see, we did Turkey Federation a couple of times. And then uh, you went. You all. You started out working at the Gun Exchange in, I was in at San the Francisco, gun exchange, yep. downtown San Francisco. Wow! One of the kick-ass gun shops uh, that, of course, you know, after a long illustrious career there, uh, you uh, then went to work for Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and, Foundation, and the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Alliance, which is now the Conservation Partnership. 
And then, uh, then after a few years with that, um, we were doing California deer dinner banquets mm-hmm. after that, right? So yep. we kind of went from elk, turkey, mule deer, then we went to California deer, and then actually you helped me get into the outdoor industry, and I started selling advertising for the Mule Deer Foundation as well as the California Deer Association. And uh, we kind of helped each other uh, creating a huge fundraising model of how to do dinner banquets. And uh, really, that's kind of where it kind of went kind of a little crazy because you, you started out doing deer uh, as, as a paid employee. And then you switched over to, um, well, the California deer yeah, is where yeah. you really switched. Yeah, yeah. You went from mule deer to and cow deer. to cow deer. And that's kind of when I was like, man, that's that's it. That's kind of the direction I want to go to. I want to get out of the corporate world and, and get into something. And so uh, I always did NRA dinner banquets, and you always helped me out on those. Was, geez, I think at one time, Rick, do you know, we did like five different dinner banquets yeah, we did. in the same year. It's like wow. we rolled from elk <coughs> to turkey. I think we did it in yes, California CWA. Duck, CWA. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then we did the NRA. And it was just it was it was crazy fun, but that was kind of the side side <laughs> thing. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Rick. What are you What are you up to now? Well, now I'm I'm still involved with cow deer because you know that's kind of in our blood. Yeah, and we're... so I'm still helping cow deer, still helping cow waterfowl, and and of course I go to your NRA dinners when I can, and and when I'm at them, I'm always available to do whatever's necessary to help the event go well. But, uh, you know, my, uh, my passion's always been doing some extra stuff for the veterans and special needs and the youth and, and trying to help our local communities do stuff. And so uh, Amen. a few years back, um, another fellow that, uh, that Jason knows, Rodney Torres, he and I formed a nonprofit A to Z Foundation group. And uh, A to Z primarily focuses on doing stuff for the veterans, doing stuff for special needs folks, those that are maybe terminally ill. Um, but we also allow our local chapters to put money into their communities for some things that can make a difference, whether it's supporting more veterans or youth or doing some special needs stuff or maybe projects for conservation, you know, whatever they can do to make a difference in their community. Um, and Literally everything from A, a to, Z. to Z. Yep, Absolutely. Well, I know, I know. Down in in, in my area in Paso Robles, uh, I took Lucius to the A to Z dinner banquet, which you and Rodney put on uh, down there. And uh, one of the things that they were doing is um, one of the one of the members, I think, mother had had breast cancer, so they had a specific raffle, and basically all the proceeds to that pers- that specific raffle was going to breast car- breast cancer awareness. Yep. You know, so that back to the a to z i mean i know i've been to a couple of yours up north where they had scholarship funds for somebody that's interested in maybe even either going into uh you know anything outdoor related be fishing game or being a gun mechanic or anything like that and you know i literally i mean you guys do a lot of great work but let's let's get into what happened just a couple of weeks ago because you know you did kind of screw up our early hunting season plans (laughs) By you know actually having to work, so I, I did. I was uh, I was tied up, and, and you know just before I went to Colorado, and I'll get back to that. We had uh, twenty five veterans out of Bodega Bay on a party boat, deep sea fishing. Oh wow! And tonight um, uh, we were uh, 
treated uh, very nicely. Thank you very much to some delicious uh, halibut. Oh, yes. and caught. Yeah, was good. Huh? I wonder, Lucas, I wonder what the poor people are it. doing because <laughs> the last three or four meals that we've had have been off the chain. But tonight, yeah. woo, this right. is not normal for me to eat like this in deer camp. But <laughs> oh, I'm not going to complain. Well, I'm telling you what, if the ladies are looking for a man who's good around the kitchen, Lucas got it done tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. Jason's tried to <laughs> talk about marital advice on the podcast. I tried to talk just... about that. I tried to get him hooked up. You know what's funny is only guys comment on his podcast. Uh, A little well, scary out there, yeah, Lucas. We won't go there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, before before I get to the Colorado deal, it was cool. We had 25 young vets um, pretty much out of your old stomping ground, Sonoma State. There's a veterans program there at the college and, and uh, Santa Rosa Junior College. So the cool. vets were all younger vets, you know, vets that have been in the, you know, I call it the war on terror, but these are veterans that are 24 to, you know, maybe <clears> in their <throat> early 30s. and uh, Sandbox well, and, and younger, basically. Exactly. But uh, what was really cool is there was five or six female veterans that went uh, of the 25, and half of them had essentially never fished. And wow. they just had a blast out there. They caught wow. 341 <laughs> caught. <laughs> Wow, and they, and they just—I mean—they just had an absolute gas. That sounds like a fun yeah. day on a boat. Oh there. my gosh, you know. And one of the gals, apparently, she had never fished, and her her father likes to fish, and so she was literally texting him, "Dad, you don't believe this? I'm I'm going out in the ocean right now. We're going out of the harbor. Now I'm here. Now I'm, I caught my first rock cod, and it was just awesome, you know. What an experience, I guess, to be able to provide opportunities for people like that. That I mean, who knows? She could now find a passion right in the outdoors that she never even knew that she had yeah, yeah absolutely amen. yeah no absolutely and, and you know it's not only therapeutic for them because they they all have been in combat zones so that's our foremost you know uh, you know direction we're trying to do is to just give them a distraction get them back into society sure. some something else that they're doing that that they can do with their fellow veterans it's you know not out on on the war you know footing or whatever but uh yeah, the other is, hey, you know, everybody out there has their passion, and maybe we unleash some hunting and fishing amongst those veterans. So, yeah. Well, well you and I have talked about this for, for years and years and years, and it's all about, you know, we have a real passion for the outdoors. And uh, you even made a comment earlier that, you know, you're you're getting to the stage in your hunting career, which it's a, it's a natural progression. Once you get to a point where you're like, you know, I've – I've been very successful, killed a lot of great animals, had a lot of fun doing it, and now you're at a stage where you're looking to pass that on, right? And I'll really, I'll, I'll be honest, you're, you're actually probably, in my mind, probably 10 plus years in front of most people that get to that stage because I, I think that you and I kind of growing up together doing these things, I thought it was funny because we were the... I still remember our buddy Rich going, oh, you young bucks. Hey, kid, come over here. Kid, how you doing? You know, and I mean, because all the people that we hung out with were 20 plus years older than us. Right. And now some of them are still out there kicking around, having fun and and doing that stuff. But now you're at that stage where you're like, well, I've killed lots of big animals and I've put some, you know, well, that last Colorado buck that you killed, what did it end up being? 
Uh, you know, I, I never officially scored him, but he was a he was a good you know pushing one ninety type buck. You know, he was I he was he, a beauty. Just a one ninety. Yeah, and he passed and he passed him the first couple of times, looking for something different. But well, he also I told us on a recent trip he'd passed one hundred and seventy some bucks or one hundred and seventeen bucks before. Yeah, he, yeah. So and on a Nevada hunt, I did, <laughs> which you know. The you window know, shopping who is, is who was holding your ammo, <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's the game, right? I, you know, I mean, I love the yeah. meat movement. Don't get me wrong, love these guys that are out there whacking and stacking, shooting spikes, and filming it, and getting people into the you know eating good food. Hello, we've been doing this for since we were knee high to a grasshopper. I mean, they got pictures of me running around the campfire with a BB gun trying to shoot you know, right. birds to put on the plate, right? But what's funny to me is that meat movement when they're like, oh, well, I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm like, well, you've only been hunting like like eight years. Whoopee freaking big do, you know? Yeah, you're notching the belt at that point, right? But what's interesting is even, even those guys, I mean, some of those guys that have been doing this for like five and six years on TV now, all of a sudden you see them, you know, and they're, they're like, oh, they're passing like good solid six six point bull elk, and they're like, oh, well, I'm. So it's funny this meat movement. While I agree the meat is fantastic, which by the way, you know, the elk spaghetti that we had the night before last, not too half bad. The elk steaks the night know, before that. The elk steaks. Okay. Night, yeah. Okay. You're getting your pats on the back. Okay. okay. Well, I you got the halibut, so yeah. I you know I just, I just thought, wanted to take you know, my step. You, you deserve your kudos. All yeah. right. But um. But, yeah, I, I mean, they're all progressing in life, and that's what happens naturally. So you go through a cycle where when you first start hunting, you want to shoot everything. I mean, it's first fork and arm that runs out in front of you, pow, yep. boom whop, as, as a friend Brad says. Yeah, and it's about, you know, you got to get some success under your belt. Just yeah. that's, <clears throat> it. that's natural for everybody. Yeah. And and you're you out there doing something, and you want to succeed, and... You progress to your stage where you were passing 117 bucks to get to that right deer or looking at a 190 class deer and going, well, you know, maybe I could do better looking for a different type of deer. And then you get to this stage where you're like, okay, well, I really want to get one more big non-typical. And then after that, you know, I'm really going to focus, which I truly believe you're actually there, right? You're just doing it right now as a career with A to Z, because let's talk about your uh, this last uh, last couple of weeks before we came up here on this hunt. Yeah, no, so sure. Were, I'd love you, well, to you talk to, about it. You went to Nevada and, and didn't see a deer, so you ate ate a tag in Nevada, which most people are like, you ate a Nevada deer tag, are you I, an idiot? I did. I had my own tag in Nevada, and... Uh, I was I was looking for something special, and especially since I was going to go from there to Colorado, I I didn't want to have to deal with the meat unless it was something exceptionally big because you know I was going to be gone for up to another two weeks, and so it made it even easier to to really window shop. And yeah, I did see a 24 inch four pointer and a big 24 25 inch fork and horn and some other cool bucks, and I saw some amazing things on the trip. But at the end of the day, I just there you go yeah spent trip the trigger yeah and spent some awesome time in the uh in the hills and was happy to just pack up and go home and you know with my tag and no regrets but i got to go to colorado okay now we're talking meat and potatoes talk about it so a to z the the last three years um we've done a colorado veteran hunt the first year we had a 
a, a more of a younger, you know, crew with uh, Iraqi war vets and a couple of Vietnam vets. And then last year's hunt, we had a mix as well, but I also had a World War II vet, which was just a unbelievable, you know, blessing to, to hunt with a World War II vet. Chris Kiefer out of Hopland, California, was in the Navy the entire war, 42 to 46. He didn't even get out Ooh. until wow. after the war. World War II. Yeah. But when we were there... Um, I really set my sights on the next year. I was going to do everything I could to have all older vets, especially World War II vets, to get them while we can. And uh, we ended up getting four World War II vets that committed uh, to put in for the draw and to go this year. And uh, three of them drew. The fourth one, we were trying to get him a tag. And uh, and then we ended up picking up an 88-year-old Korea vet who got two bronze stars. Wow. Mm. And uh, and then we had a couple other kind of on, on hold. And so we, we were going into the season trying to get up to six hunters. And uh, ultimately, one of the World War II vets couldn't make it. Uh, he got a case of shingles right Ooh. at the end, which apparently mm-hmm. is, is yeah, painful. very painful. Yeah. And then a Korea vet, who Jason and I know real well, got ill on the way. Oh. But... The good news is, is I ended up with a 97-year-old World War II veteran who flew 32 missions Damn. into Germany from England. Damn. He only had to fly 25 to get to, out. To yeah, to yeah. to qualify to rotate out because most of the time they were either yeah. shot down and killed. <laughs> yeah, they didn't make it to 25. Yeah, yeah. they and, didn't make it. And uh, then we had an and uh, we had a 95-year-old who was an army medic. And he came in D-Day plus three, so third day, D-Day. And then he, he did the entire march across Europe. And then when they uh, got to late 44, just before the famous, you know, Battle of the Bulge, he was um, stationed in a, in a um, army uh, hospital in Belgium. And that hospital was specifically set up to service the airmen that were flying those missions into Germany. Really? And so it turned out that, that our 97-year-old, they knew each other. Troop, had been flying over Lloyd Horn's, you know, wow. hospital. And so, so boy, you should have seen them both just bust into tears, especially when Lloyd started to, you know, Explain tell Bird about the... You know the the guys that they that they you know provided medical care to, and the, the condition of the planes that came in, and some of them just had to crash land, you know, mm-hmm. because they were just so badly damaged. Wow. Some of them, the wings were barely hanging on, or the you know yeah you know the tails of the plane. I mean, it was just yeah, it was pretty touching moment to hear them realize that how close they were, though they never knew each other. Yeah, you know, Brooke yeah. could have ended up in his hospital getting medical care just that fast. Yeah, yeah, and then we had a ninety-two year old. Uh, he was in the Navy, and he uh, he had a pretty harrowing job, too. He uh, both did um, um, landing craft missions, you know, so bringing the troops in when they were going island hopping. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also uh, cruised the oceans looking for mines. So he had two <laughs> pretty harrowing jobs. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Let me get my ball-peen hammer out. Does this one work? Yeah. <laughs> Nope. Yeah. And then we had an 88-year-old 80, Korean, you know, veteran. And, you know, sad to say, the Korea War, they call it the Forgotten War, literally. I mean, yeah. it's, it's no. almost not even the annals of history, and yet... Lots of people died in that war. And it was a brutal war. Yeah. Total extremes of weather. You know, My uncle very was in hot. that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you know. But then very hot to very cold, brutal, you know, mountainous and other, you know, rough conditions. And then... Uh, and then their their enemy was was yeah. top notch. I mean, every battle was. I mean, they were fighting a, a determined yeah. battle. Yeah. 
and then we had three Vietnam vets, and you know, I think enough said. We all know, you yeah. know. Then they all saw combat, and you know, but um, the ninety-seven-year-old got a nice four-pointer. And you sent me a picture of that. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And probably the most touching moment is we were just driving because he stayed around and he went out on other hunts. He, he wanted to help the other guys, which was really cool. And so we're driving around, you know, helping out. And all of a sudden, Bert just out of the blue, and he was a quiet man. He just says, yep. He says, I know my buck was the smallest, but I sure am proud of him. Yeah, oh. that's awesome. <laughs> it was just, it was just that's all that matters, right? Oh, it's my God. Dude, that picture was awesome. 97 years old. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do we all hope and pray that we live to be that Amen. long? And if we do, we can go out and shoot a buck and Colorado. Amen. You know? yeah. Amen on that one. And he <laughs> used my old Seiko 270, my uh, hunting gun that I hunt with. And, uh, and of course, I'm just unbelievably honored that he shot my rifle. Sure. But when we got him on the buck, and he, and he literally shot from his walker. You know, most walkers also have a seat. And so we had him in his walker. Then we set up the shooting sticks, and we got all set up. I ranged it, and it was 187 yards, and uh, I got that, you know, dot system in there, so from point blank to 200 is my, you know, yeah. top yeah, dot, zero, yeah. so I just told him, I said, I said, just put it right behind the shoulder, Bert, and so he does, he shoots, and clearly hits the buck good, but the buck was rutting, so a lot of times their adrenaline's up, so they don't go down, so the buck kind of was wandering around, and he shot again, we thought he missed, and then he, the buck stopped, then he took a third shot, buck goes down. When we skinned that thing out, he had three shots in a pipe plate. Jeez. And so, of course, I told Bert, I said, hey, you know, wow. you just put the pressure on me, buddy, because if I shoot this thing and miss, yeah. there's no excuse. I know excuse. it's not the gun, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Bert proved it. Well, so that, he, was, he was proud as could be. Well, that old Seiko of yours, buddy, we've, we've been around a couple of trips with that baby, and she she lays waste to stuff when when you when you get a little... Even when you get a little adrenaline running, you could you could put that in the pipe plate every time. So, anyway, good well, quality Well, it's like gun. Rick was saying earlier about, you know, seeing success through other people's eyes versus your own. I guess when you go do hunts like that and you, and you oh, make a dream better. come true for somebody like that, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine any animal in the world that would be more important than doing something like that, you know? Well, it, it, it is amazing. I mean, hunting with you guys here, I mean, I could see the, you know, your guys' determination, the quality of the gear you use, how you hunt. You know, and a lot of people don't necessarily have that in their background. And when you can bring that to them on a hunt and, you know, get them set up right, you know, get them yeah. facing the right direction, get the sticks right, get the height right, you know, do it at the right time, stuff that you guys, you know, just do every day you hunt yeah. because it's, it's nice because you get them in the right position to make it happen. And all and these, that's, it, that's challenging. That is, is really challenging, absolutely. especially for people someone that are, in a walker, or I mean, at that age, that you know, you you're hoping their eyesight is good. I mean, so many things you got to think about making a shot like that. Yeah. You know, now the 92 year old, we were on his buck the night before, and the buck was just skimming kind of through the sage. He couldn't see it because of that gray buck color and the sage. He literally said, I can't see the buck. He yeah. said, I sort of make it out a little bit, but I'm not comfortable shooting. I said, no, we'll come back tomorrow morning and under better light and under better conditions. And yeah. hopefully it'll, it'll, and it did. The buck was literally in the same kind of strip <laughs> of, 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 of uh, sage, but this time he come, came out into some more yellow grass and then he, he picked the, the buck out clearly and made a beautiful shot. 
so in he, his cowboy boots. That's what his hunting boots were. Oh, my God. I don't God. know if his he, – another World War II buddy is the one who invited him on our behalf. You know, we said, yeah. hey, you know, because we knew he had a buddy. And we said, hey, you want to invite your, your buddy um, Homer to come on the hunt? He said, I'd love to. So we invited Homer. Homer accepted. But I don't know if he told him it was a country club hunt. He had, like, creased jeans. He had <laughs> cowboy boots. Nice shirt. Oh, yeah, we voted him best-dressed hunter. It was hilarious. Best you know? I mean, hunter. the boots had to shine when he started, and then they sort of got a little dull as he had to like do J- a little time in the hills. Like JR from Dallas oh, with his cowboy hat and boots yeah. and... Well, you had mentioned that you guys, you guys are, you got a place there where all these hunts are ha- happening in Colorado, and uh, you're staying at a Comfort Inn. That and, is correct, Rifle and Colorado. You, and the people that own the Comfort Inn are big time supporters of, of veterans, and you guys have actually built a pretty good relationship with them. And I thought it was pretty funny that, you know, you you talked about uh, they get up early to help your guys out to you know because I. You know, comfort ends always have breakfasts, right? right. But Normal they usually stay at six o'clock. Yeah, at six o'clock. But because of you guys, they open up early for you, yeah. and those people in at the at that comfort inn are really big supporters. And then right at the end, you guys had a meal. And, uh, and I guess there was a complaint about it or there something, was, yeah. right? We, you know, for for these older vets, I mean, you can't help but think this could be the last time for some of these guys. And so we wanted to make it as special as possible. And so a couple of the guys kind of cooked up, literally, you know, pardon the pun. Hey, let's do a liver and onions night just like in camp, you know, since it's our last night all together. And so, yeah, out in front, we had all the antlers set up. Right in where their flower beds were, all the all the bucks and the elk were lined up as people drove in, and then we had uh, I had my camp chef stove. We had it set up, and we were cooking liver and onions and backstrap and you know all the trimmings. Some you know, so beans, basically beans like we're out in the sticks yeah. like we've done yeah. numerous times yeah. and just getting getting downtown with it. Yeah, and except for at a comfort inn. Yeah, and one of the guests kind of complained, and literally the staff member just kind of said, "Hey, you know, tough luck. They're doing something special for these guys, and we support it." And it was. And we encouraged a number of the guests, hey, you want some? And they did. I mean, there were folks, you know, I've never had liver, and we're giving it to them, you know. Oh, this is good. And backstrap. And, well, that's, that's, that's real. I mean, come on. We're there anybody, to make friends. Anybody that doesn't realize what those people gave to protect this country. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm. we hear it all the time now, and, and it just – grates me when people are like oh well you know veterans big whoopie do and you're like i'm just i just come a freaking unglued you know i'm like they spilled their blood and the ones that didn't spill their bloods and actually has lived through it you know a lot of them don't talk about it at all you know i mean it's just too emotional to go back there right and those people i mean my uncle i mean it makes me emotional just thinking about it I mean, the stuff that they went through is just ungodly, and they went through these things. Why? So you and I and Lucas can sit here in America on this podcast and talk about, you know, the right that we have to go hunting or the right that we have to, you know, go vote. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, we could be speaking German right now if nobody would have done anything and Germany would have just kept kicking ass like yeah. they were yeah or look where we were today all that public ground is ground that we can hunt freely as as americans and yeah. you know we're up there 
enjoying the sunset, enjoying the sunrise, seeing the birds do something funny or what, whatever. Just yeah, it, it just enjoying being on the hill in Taking the mountains. In God creation. Yeah. So you had a you had a ninety five year old in a walker, right? Or was he the, the ninety seven used a walker and a cane? The ninety five he actually got around pretty darn good. Uh, the ninety two year old used a walker and a cane. Which one was the one, the last one that you sent me the picture that of? That was a 95-year-old. Oh, that, was dude, Lloyd, that, that was Lloyd Horn, the Army medic. Whew, his buck. <laughs> like, holy yeah, crap. No, it was yeah, a dandy. I mean, the picture, I'll, I'll give you some advice. You need to take Lucas to have some photographs because your photographs sucked ass. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, on? you're no, good. I, th- okay. I think you're good. Yeah. Uh, we're PG in this again, or are we going to put the exclusion thing? You're good. Anyway. You know, it, it was a, it was a stud. It, it really was still was. when he was standing there holding on to that one horn. He kind of had that sheepish grin on his face. I'm like, dude, that was just absolutely and, awesome. And I kept telling him too. Said Lloyd, you're going to be the caboose, but you're going to get the big one. You're going to get the last one, but it's going to be the big one. And it it and it was worked true. out. That's now who's cool. now who who did you get the apple pie from? Because let me tell you, we. It, I didn't get the last piece, people. They, I went to bed went last to bed. night because I was tired, and they were they were trying to see who could drink the most wine. I'm not a wine drinker, people. And uh, and lo and behold, all I hear is, oh, this pie. Oh, it's horrible. Well, I had a piece of the night before, so I know they're full of shit. You know, it was really good. I'm thinking about it now. It was, the, it was good. Again. Well, if you'd have Actually, saved me a piece. I think there's still piece. two pieces left. Yeah. Uh, but you got to go to bed, so, yeah. you know. That yeah, sounds like a sorry, sleep. That sounds that sounds like a story to me. He's got to get me. a snore and sleep. Well, the the World War II vet, <laughs> veteran that I mentioned that got shingles. Thankfully, I had enough lead time to maybe get a replacement, and so I got a Vietnam vet. And uh, I what knew, did he end up getting? He got a bull elk because I couldn't get him a deer tag, but we were able to buy him a bull tag over the counter. And uh, oh, and, rough. And so rough, in other words, yeah. he got a whole bunch of great meat he versus got, yeah. just a little bit of great meat. Yeah, he killed a nice, okay. nice six-point bull, and in that western Colorado, it's about as good as they get. So he, mm-hmm. you know, not only did he get a bull, he got about the best you can expect in that country. Nice. Made a nice shot, just dropped him on one shot. Yeah, and I, I told his son, I knew his son, that's who I kind of worked through. He was on the waiting list, you know, as, as upcoming as a for a hunt. So I got a hold of his son, and I said, hey, we can get him a bull tag. And I said, he, he can, I don't have any, anybody with me. He's more welcome to just stay and come home with me. So that's what ended up happening. And so when I dropped him off, he's, he's taking care of his elderly mom. And so she was so happy that I got her son home. She, she cooked me a nice, fresh-baked apple pie. So uh, that was pretty, uh, I was pretty happy about that. That was a little side you, benefit there. Yeah, you brought it yeah. up here for us. So, uh, Mom, we appreciate that apple pie. Probably she'll never hear this podcast, but that, <laughs> that doesn't matter. It's all about the thought. It was pretty touching, though, when I got to her place, you know, and she goes, oh, I'm so glad you got my son home, you know, and he's 71 years old and survived Vietnam. But, yeah. yeah, and she's just happy you got him home from Colorado. <laughs> <on the outcome. laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't worried about him coming back from Imagine Vietnam. Imagine all the stress she's been through, yeah. yeah. Worrying about him. And I'll tell you, those, those older veterans, um, you know, seeing the bounce in their step was awesome. And, you know, we had the, the antlers, you know, nicely, but they were up on top of the truck on Matt Albertson's truck coming home. And so people say, hey, who got the bucks? And we say, oh, those old guys over there. And then people go over, hey, you got the buck? Oh, yeah. And they, you know, start telling Swag, us. little oh, swagger yeah. in the step. Yeah, it was, it was great. Well, and, the, is... and the 88-year-old vet, I mean, 88, 
your old Korean vet, he would refer to them to, as the old guys. He'd point them, oh, yeah, the old guy's over there. <laughs> we'd, I'd bust a stitch almost every time because he's 88. Yeah, the old guy's over there. It's probably cool to see him pump their tires a little bit and oh. make them feel, you know, good again. I'm sure Absolutely. They probably a lot of them have probably been through, probably lost their spouses and things over time. So, you know, having a camaraderie in a group like that is probably – I mean, you never know what that could give somebody, right? Yeah. You know, just the joy, yeah. the joy in that, that experience that they get. Yeah. Yeah, the 92-year-old uh, veteran had had a stroke a few months before. We weren't even sure he was going to make it. And, I mean, he just he just came to life. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really cool seeing him. That's incredible. Not That's only neat. the best dressed, but he was, you know, cracking jokes <laughs> and, you know, very just engaging with people and stuff. And he, he had been pretty quiet, you know, since his stroke, but that really you know put the spark back in them huh. so so this is kind of the one of those things that you have really focused on and a to z have a website we do yep and just, just it, go to it, a to z foundation group.org and you can check okay. us out and, and what then, do you got what do you got planned in 2020 more dinner banquets rick or we do yeah we got our you know we got our series of dinner banquets and then like i mentioned we every event that we've been establishing we're trying to make them annual events like this fishing trip that i did now the goal is is every you know third weekend in in uh, october which is a good time for the offshore breezes to calm the ocean down good time to send you know folks out that maybe haven't been on the ocean um the colorado trip we also do an argentina dove hunt every january we send five veterans down to argentina wow and they go down there Very just cool. to have a blast yeah. shooting doves and we got other fishing trips down your guys' way. We've we've been sending uh, veterans on on hog hunts down your way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're just having a gas going down 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 there. So, cool. Yeah, we're just kind of expanding every year, you know. And then of course our local chapters they're continually coming up with new stuff that they're funding and making a difference. So so what where are all your dinner banquets at? How can a person well go we got to them one? in uh, Petaluma, Santa Rosa. Uh, St. Helena, Napa, Sacramento, Paso Robles down in your guys' neck of the wood, you know, Bakersfield, Lake Isabella, Modesto. So, you know, kind of the whole corridor, grapevine north. Yeah. You know, we haven't gotten down into the L.A. market yet, but, uh, you know, we're kind of working that. That direction. Yeah, North Valley down to the south, you know, I'll call it the, you know. Central Valley, all the way down to Bakersfield. And it's kind of the same typical uh, fundraising that we've always done. So you got live auction and silent auction. Usually have a general raffle of some sort. And then one thing that I always loved is you always have, you have a veteran's appreciation. You call all the veterans up, and then a lot of times you'll hand them a challenge coin challenge coins yep you know and, and then a lot of times we'll do drawings for different stuff you know whether it's a gun a hunt or all of the above you know yeah. so yeah we take a little more time out you know jason yeah. doing the events that it it's kind of a three to five minute hook somebody gets up on stage and yep. talks for three to five minutes and then you're off and everybody wants to get back to winning guns and doing this our deals are a little different that we we want to spend a little more time introducing the vets and letting them talk to the crowd for a moment and all that but you know it's kind of what we do so we take the time but beyond that same formula yeah and that and i mean what i loved about it the last time is i mean you had everything from people that had just got out you know the year earlier and you had a young lady there that basically said oh yeah well i just got out of my four-year 
you know, blah, 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 doing this. And, and then you had, of course, the guy, you know, that's 90 years old that's standing up there with a cane saying, oh, yeah, well, I was. And, you know, it's, it, you know, I mean, a lot of those people, like you talked about the Korean War and the Vietnam War, and even the sandbox for that, I mean, a lot of those people really, the, uh, like you said, they were forgotten. It's yeah. like, or, you know, they weren't, they were looked down upon. And, you know, those people risked their lives and actually came back, which a lot of people didn't. And it just grates me that people don't give them their credit for doing what our government asked them to do. Whether or not the incident was right, wrong, or indifferent, they risked their life. I mean, they literally put their life on the line. You know, that's just... Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that, that's God right. bless them. Yeah, they they represented our country and defended it. You know, like you said, whether the engagement was right or wrong, you know, they were there on behalf of the rest of us, and yeah. and we need to honor that and support each and every one of them because, particularly those that were either in combat, or maybe in some kind of a combat support position where they saw the effects of combat. That's traumatic. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, "Hey, well, you know, what's your deal when you deal with these veterans?" And I just basically keep it real simple: they saw or had to do or both, the unthinkable, things that the rest of us, even us as hunters here, yeah, we, you know, we shoot animals, we kill animals, we deal with gutting them out and all that, but whole nother level when, you know, you're talking talking to a guy in a foxhole 30 seconds ago and now he just lost his life, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I can't even imagine that, and so... It's really important we realize that they are such a small fraternity that actually go through those combat, yeah. you know, scenarios and, and, and the real horrors that they, you know, that they have to go through. It, it's unimaginable. Yeah. But, you know, one of the reasons we bring up folks to the uh, up in front of the dinners is it's important to blend those, you know, different eras of the military. Correct. Because, you know, some of the young guys that are having issues – they get blended with old guys that obviously have you been know, through it. They've been through it, and they they still had a life. They obviously worked, had families, and whatever. And it gives those young guys the opportunity to say, "Okay, I still have an opportunity to grow old, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and enjoy life. I deserve that." Um, and then for the old guys, I think they feel a little bit of an obligation to help those younger guys. So that's big. Break. Yeah, it is. It it really is, and and you see it. You know, well, in a world of like. PTSD and all the illnesses that a lot of these guys are leaving, um, you know, these wars Struggling with. Struggling with, yeah. It gives them maybe another opportunity to say, you know what, he's someone that's made it through, and maybe he's a life coach or a mentor for some of these guys, you yeah. know, as they get to know him or introduce themselves to each other. So, And, and, yeah. I, and I saw that a little bit, too, because, you know, like I said, you saw the person that just came out of the military, and then you see the guys that were career military stayed in, you know, for a full huge stint. And then you see the really old and the really young. And I think, like you said, the the young ones can look at the old ones and go, man, I, okay, I can, I can, these guys went through stuff maybe that was worse than what I went through, or maybe they understand me better. And it was interesting because even after you broke up, I think there was 30 or 40 of them at, at our dinner banquet. When they broke up, they really didn't kind of break up. It was funny because... A couple of them went back to their tables, but then I, I noticed like segments of them just kind of swir- swung over to the side. And then they're all like hanging out and talking to each other and kind of s- swapping stories and, and checking out their coins. And, you know, I, I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty special stuff. 
Yeah, no, it is. It's an important process for them. Even the Colorado hunt, the Vietnam vet, you know, we, we went around, everybody introduced themselves, and then, you know, later on we were having little dis- discussions, and then he just all of a sudden just sort of took the floor and started to talk about the experiences of combat. And, and he, because of the other veterans that were there and he felt a comfort zone, he, he pointed a couple of them out as what they had mentioned. And then he really started to let stuff out. And his kid was like, my dad has never done that. That was amazing. And, you know, he was crying and letting stuff out. Sure. And, and it was funny because when he first got there, I could see almost that tension in his shoulders. And as the hunt went through, you could just almost see the relaxation in him. And then towards the end, he, he opened up a little bit again to me and told me some stuff when we were driving home. You know, and then he almost said, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, absolutely. Let yeah. it out. You know, you got something to say. I'll just sit here and listen. Yeah. Well, a lot of those guys, you it's know. the best therapy sometimes. They, yeah. they, they were pretty much told to, well, get over it. Yeah, get back to regular world. And, and you know, I mean, they, some of those guys maybe been stuffing it for 50 years. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So many of them got home and they said, changing your civvies even before you go out into the airport because of the protesters and stuff. Imagine that. Instead of being welcomed home. You're, you're being told to go incognito and just kind of slip through. So, yeah, it, they've been harboring some really, really bitter memories. Sure. So that wow. was really cool seeing them, you know, let that out like that. And it was great for his kid because, you know, his, his kid was blown away. Wow, my dad's just, that's not my the dad I usually see, mm-hmm. you know. And, well, I know, like, my uncle, he never talks about it, ever. I mean, Ever. Like, my wife asked him some really poignant questions, and he kind of shared a little bit a couple of Christmases ago, but that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned more when she asked him those questions, but I could tell that there was a lot more. Nope, that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in the Korean, and, and it was like, that stuff's past history, and he didn't, didn't want to talk about right. it at all. Wow. And, you, yeah, you know, what, does that mean it was super horrible? Maybe not. But maybe it was. And, you know, like you said, he probably saw stuff that that he never wants to think about ever again. And those those are suppressed memories, right? Yeah. So Well my neighbor, he um he was in Vietnam in a, you know, remote base and every th- Tuesday, Thursday, whatever it was, a truck would go to some other base to get supplies. That was the regular routine. And it was kind of a big deal to ride shotgun to go get that you know detail to go do that and he was scheduled to do that whatever you know tuesday thursday it was and then at the last minute his commander had another job for him so he didn't go nobody went and a sniper shot right through that passenger window as as that vehicle made its trek to the wow you know to and larry said he thinks about that almost every single day that's for that would have been me yeah. 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 All that one split second. Yeah. And the commander just said, Hey, I need you to do something else. You can't, you know, you can't make the run into, you know, whatever to get the supplies. Yeah. Wow. So every day he thinks of that. It's a good reminder. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Well, well, on that on that let's note, talk do about we want to big black tails. Oh my god, here we go. Sorry, I got a little wound yeah, up. Yeah, no. Drum roll again. I'm telling you, a, segment a number bit two. Of a drum roll. Uh well, didn't have a drum. So there's probably a reason why Rick 
has a place in this general area and i'm and i'm assuming because it's probably home to some of the best genetics to blacktails in the whole state of california well <laughs> i like your lead-in but the reason i'm actually here is because my ex-father-in-law he was the one who initially got this property Okay. And then I brought into it later. So, gotcha. you know, I always knew that this, you know, B zone, you know, from Lake Pillsbury to the Oregon border could produce, you know, big blacktails. Absolutely. And this potential, you know, for big bucks anywhere. But um, um, it was actually more by luck, Lucas, than it was by, uh, okay. you know, big bucks. It wasn't uh, by design. Uh, you no, know, yeah, yeah. I hadn't pinpointed on the map. I'm going to own property right here. It was uh, a little bit more just good luck and good fortune but we are right in the heart of some of the biggest black tails that you're going to find anywhere there's no question you were showing some of the some of the dinners you go to the mendocino deer dinner that you go to and some of the bucks that guys are bringing in from mendocino and trinity county and they're they're like mule deer yeah they're incredible yeah and they're black tails yep they would be be above respectable mule deer some of the big (laughs) black tails i mean they're they're just stud bucks yeah. Well, you know, you and I have talked about this for years. In fact, I came up here and hunted with you a long time ago, and we just, you know, you've invited me back numerous times, but we just haven't been able to pull all that crap together. We're always gone one place or another, and even you said, well, this year you didn't even come up here and hunt, did you? Nope. Well, I had yeah. a bee zone and tag and never even got to use it. Mm. Got to got to send your response back to a Department of Fish and Game that says sucked, never got yeah, an opportunity. Did not hunt. Don't have yeah. to pay my $20 extortion fee if I don't yeah. do my okay. mandatory reporting. Let's not start on the bagging on Fish and Game because I will jump on that one with both okay. feet. So we're going to move on because we're not going to talk about bobcat tags until we kill a couple in the next couple of months. Okay. Skipping that into another podcast. This area produces some absolute giant blacktail. And when I say giant blacktail, I mean the genetics here are, in my opinion, far and above 99.9% of them. And I've hunted blacktail my whole life, but I always hunted them right up north, which everybody's like, oh, you're in Northern California. Well, I'm talking about the real Northern California, the one that's like right on the Oregon border. But... The deer up there, I mean, a big buck is, you know, 20 inches wide, right? I mean, here, you know, what? That's okay. an average, that's are we, an average Are we going to break down and kind of kind of say we saw a couple of nice deer in a fight? At least we could tell everybody we saw a couple of nice deer in a fight. Oh, yeah. And Rick's like, well, those are, you know, well, how did he describe it, Lucas? Those are those are all respectable deer. Those are respectable bucks. Those are respectable yeah. bucks. 20-inch 4x4 yeah. and a... Yeah. At least 18 to 20 inch, at least a three point on one side we saw. Heavy, heavy horned. Yeah. Scarred back. Scarred back. Looked like a Kodiak Island yeah, buck sick because of tail. his head looked like a freaking moose. He was just, he was, he was a huge buck. How much do you think that deer weighed? Oh, he, he was a 200 was pound 200 live, plus, live weight buck. People, yeah. black tail buck. And I know a lot of you guys hunt black tails with us. You know, and we're like, when you shoot one, sometimes it's like a German Shepherd, right? People, we don't shoot German Shepherds. I'm just using that as a reference. But this one was, I, I think it was, without a doubt, it was 200-pound deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a good size, good size it deer. It was a horse. And then it actually, it actually whooped the buck that had bigger horns. Yeah. 
the bigger buck got. But I think that that he was a much older class. I mean, his neck, the way he was just built out in his shoulders. I mean, he was a he was just a big deer, big body deer. Kind of reminded me of the sumo wrestler going against the other sumo wrestler, except for the one guy <laughs> outweighs the guy by about fifty pounds. But that was that not just incredible. I mean, that clash when they when they made contact, and they were literally all the way through the canyon. People on they were literally on the side of a cliff. Okay, when they made so for people that don't understand about Northern California, there's two directions. It's either up or down. There ain't no flat nowhere where the deer are. These deer were Lucas. What did you say? They were vertical. It was. Well, it's amazing because we saw him coming out of the bottom, and you just saw him circling, and both of you guys were like, oh, this is going to happen. you yeah, know. So I'm the- fiddling to get my camera set up, and I was able to capture it on video. But it was, I mean, the, the, the clash, and then just the dirt kicked up, and I don't know how the, they actually kept themselves from rolling off the hill the way they did. That was just incredible. Yeah, to stay engaged and to keep their footing and to keep, keep tussling footing, like yeah. they were, you know. And that, they yeah, went they were, on. I mean, they were ripping. It was twenty six second video clip. Yeah, yeah, no, a lot it of times wasn't when a they, short engagement. They a lot of times it. when you hit, and I've I've seen bucks. I mean, they they lock up and they kind of tussle a couple, usually five eight seconds maybe. Then they let go and one of them pokes the other one in the butt, and next thing you know, it's over. Right? These guys were like, and we think that they had been doing this maybe. Because the other one had a freaking scar on. How, how, yeah, there was three was different scars. Was that a two-foot scar? Oh, yeah, easily. Two-foot yeah, scar down yeah. the center of the big buck's back. I mean, he, yeah. they had been going at it. They both looked, in fact, after it was over, they both kind of looked like, Yeah, they were walking separate crap. directions, wheezing and snorting and picking up their marbles yeah. and going home, what they were doing. Yeah. Just the other little fork and horn ran off with the two does that ran that out. was funny yeah. the fork and horn that picked up the girls and yeah. said later boys you guys keep fighting i got the girls yeah that was great i mean incredible yesterday or two mornings ago we saw what seven bucks and basically within a probably yeah, a small half area. a mile geographical area yeah it was you know it was a that hole was just lively yeah and then of course we've had the beautiful what's the day's date what is today's, today's date? The 19th? Of Tropical, November. Tropical 19th. And we've had highs of 80. In the last couple of days, yeah. We had one night that basically temperatures dropped down into the low 30s. I don't think we've gotten the 30s yet, no. have we? Well, that one morning it was it felt pretty yeah, crisp. It we felt saw, chilly anyway, yeah. We saw steam off our breath. But yeah, that's true. But... But it, it feels like mid-October weather, not mid-November weather. Yeah. This is how it would be in the you know last couple of weeks at the B zone. It's nuts. Absolutely crazy. So, but... But you're still seeing some good bucks, even with the challenges yeah. of the weather. Well, we've been, we've been putting in the miles, and we've Absolutely. been putting in the hours, and, I mean, we've been getting up early and staying out late, and... You know, pretty we, much the only ones on the mountain right now. Everybody actually, else seems to have folded their tent, but yeah. one one other hardy guy and and then you and guys. He's even starting to kind of cave a little bit <laughs> yeah. after talking to him today. But it's been rough. It, I'm not I'm not sugarcoating this hunt so far. I haven't even I haven't even gone on a stock yet. I mean, two hundred and some odd yards is as close as I've got to a to a buck, and that was actually. 
I probably shouldn't have just dilly-dallied around. I probably should have tried to get on the stick and get after it. But I was thinking, oh, well, if this is the way it's going to start off, this is going to be, we're going to party like rock stars. We're well, gonna... You had the one buck below you at 50. <laughs> are we talking about the spike? Well, <laughs> or are we talking about the fork? Any legal animal. <laughs> Actually, that's funny, yeah. Because I could have shot a doe, and you told me that, and you could just shoot your doe and fill your tag. Yeah, well, I was trying to talk I you into that so we, you'd focus down and we could get mine on the wall. Had a doe at 10 yards yesterday walked by me, so. Well, that's the goal is to have the doe, but the problem is the yeah, when the, the, bucks the about, thing that was 80 yards behind it. Yeah, the buck's 75, 80 yards behind her and got well, the full draw. But. Yeah. Well, the thing you guys are, you know, seeing play out too is that, and I've talked to, to a lot of guys that hunt blacktail that, they don't pattern, you know, a mule deer, a whitetail, elk. If they're kind of in an area, there's a pretty good chance if you sort of have them and, and nobody pressures them out, they're going to kind of stay around there. But mm-hmm. these blacktails, yeah, that may happen, or you may never see a certain buck again that you see in a certain, you know, area. They just, you see them once. That's really true. I mean, yeah, they're, I'm thinking about the bucks I saw last weekend, the bucks we've seen this trip. It's been like one and done seeing those bucks now maybe we've seen them you know again throughout the course of the last week but it's not like you're seeing the same buck in the same canyon every day i mean it's well the weather has been horrible i mean listen we drew the tag mother nature deals us with the weather we also know that of course we think fish and game schedules the premium hunts on the moon cycle whenever it's big that's when we're going to go ahead and have the hunt so, but as you mentioned earlier, we don't look at that anymore. Draw the tag, put your hours in. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we've scheduled to do this hunt, you and I, and we scheduled a long time ago. You came opening weekend, spent three days up here. We were here before that for another three days, and then we basically scheduled the last nine days of the season. I mean, we're here to get this job done, or we'll go home when the last hour clicks away. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. that's the way it is. But, you know, we've, the funny part is we've had really, I guess, actually every day, even the days that we go, man, this day sucked, we've actually seen a nice buck, right? Yeah. I mean, you saw a yes, good buck today. I saw a great buck today. In fact, I saw three this evening. Um, one was a no brainer, absolutely. Another one that, I would have really liked to got a better look at. And then one that was way the hell away Mm. chasing does that, that, you know, I actually told Rick, I had lightened my pack up and I took my spotting scope out. I was like, uh, damn it. I wish I'd left my spotting scope in there. Um, but I mean, there was no way to make a move to any of those animals tonight, but we found an area, another area that I was producing. And then yesterday, well, we started off really horribly slow in the morning, in the afternoon. Jeez, what time was that when yeah, was, you saw that? Four o'clock in the yeah, bright was, sunlight? I went back and looked at my phone um, because I was wondering this evening when I was, you know, what time it was. And it was it was right around 4, 4.15 that I spotted that buck and I sent you a message and I was like, hey, I got a good buck. And you're like, is he on public? And is he a good buck? I said, yes. Are you going to make a stock on him? I'm like, yes and yes. So, yeah, I was able to get basically in front of him and a couple does were working up this ridge line. It took me about 45 minutes to get over to that that point and um, pushed a coyote out of there, which 
there's been this weird connection with coyotes and deer and and anytime <laughs> i see a coyote for whatever reason within some proximity i'm seeing deer so i don't know if there's a correlation there but anyway the does were were pushing up the spine and um they eventually ended up walking by me. I was standing in a manzanita bush, and uh, they were like 10 yards away from me. And they knew something was going on because they were walking slowly, and they were just kind of doing that little step like they do and looking and stopping. And I was just standing there, and I could see the buck out of the corner of my eye. And he was following them, uh, but he was about, I would say, 80 yards behind them because there was actually a dead oak there that I had ranged where they could walk by, and it was 80 yards from where I was at, and he had just crossed that. Um, he just crossed that oak tree. So as I saw the two does pass me, I went to full draw at that point and I had about two seconds and I heard the does kick up and I saw the dust kick up and the buck alerted and put his head up and I was just trying to get my pin to settle right on the front of his chest. And, uh, he ended up following the does off the left-hand side. Um, I did get a couple photos of him running away, but, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was the extent of my <laughs> evening yesterday, hey, but you went to full he draw. Was, uh, you were on a stock. Yeah. You're two up was on good, me right now. He was a good frame, big, tall, three-by-three three that I would have been tickled pink to have wrapped my tag around had it had it, had it come together. But, you know, that's bow hunting. I mean, that's why, you know, I, I, I enjoy all different types of hunting, um, whatever tickles your fancy, right? If, if you're a rifle hunter, long-range rifle hunter, it, all of it, I think it's great, right? But for me, my my tickled fancy is is a bow in my hand and uh and i know going into these hunts that there's a high probability i won't have success but i'm okay with that you know because well, of the rick experiences was, that you have throughout the course of the the time you're hunting well rick was laughing a little bit at us because when those bucks locked up and they were fighting they popped right out and i think i said something about 206 yards and and he's i heard like, rick he's go, like, i got medication for yeah, that yeah 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 no problem I, for me i heard i got him. some copper for his, that his sound went <laughs> yep yep Wop. yeah yeah that but, you know been. you guys you know you guys could have made a move on them if you wanted to but we you could've. you know yeah. you were just getting your hunt started and figured hey those are nice bucks but you know maybe Which probably we, was the best time to make a move as these two are grappling we could have Getting busted off the it. ridge and probably picked one of them off but hindsight was, as you say yeah. is always 2020 and yeah it was our first morning and just kind of getting a lay of the land and you know as we have gone now we talked to the gentleman on the mountain he goes yeah i've been here i'm on my day nine i was here on opening day he goes i had a had a two by three or three by three at 30 some yards i didn't shoot and then i had a fork and horn at 20 you know, inch 20, i think he said yeah, 20 inch 20 inch fork and horn at you know within range and i haven't shot and he goes now i'm starting to think about kicking myself in the butt for not shooting you know it's well and the silly part too though is and i've told lots of guys this they're like oh i'd like to kill a blacktail i'm like okay well you need at least five days if you want to kill a blacktail and if we go blacktail hunting and you pass a forked horn, that may be the only legal buck you see. Then I will always throw in, well, you know, have you ever killed a black bear? Most of them are like, no. I'm like, well, you got to buy a black bear tag because there's a higher probability of us killing a black bear in those five days than a blacktail buck. But this hunt's special, right? It's late season. We're supposed to have weather. The deer are supposed to be on full-blown rut, which we have seen some rutting activity in certain areas. Light. Yeah. But on but the other side it's of that. It's regional, though. 
We saw tonight's the biggest buck that we saw tonight. He Did, was all didn't by seem himself. Any interest, no. He didn't. See, I mean, he was he was definitely the best buck that we saw in that drainage. There were does with another buck that walked right underneath where he walked, and there was, you know, some other buck on another corner with three other deer running around chasing him. And he walked out right at dark and stood out there and just looked over the whole valley. And I was like, oh, man, geez. Well, and then is in the enormity of this country and how rough it is. I, mean, oh. I don't think people really realize how how rough these blacktails are in this coastal range. It's, yeah. this Rick, is... our, our glassing spot that we were at tonight, I mean, when I sat down, I put my boat in the manzanita bush. And then I slept my pack down, and as I set my pack down, it started sliding. Yep. And I thought, huh. I said, that might not be a good idea. I grabbed it, and then I sat down. And when I sat down, then I started sliding. Yeah, me and too. And there for a second, I was thinking, holy crap. I, You know, it's like 150 uh, yards. Steep shale slide. To, to where it, like, levels out. And for one moment there, I was thinking, am, am I going with my pack down this ride and you'll be sitting up there with my bow laughing your butt yeah, off the, as i'm like going now how the hell do i get back up there you know i mean we did pick a spot where it was we were trying to get a good advantage spot to glass from but it was funny once i slipped around that bush and i kind of tried to sit down i started thinking thoughts like i don't know if this is the most brilliant idea i've had in a long time so yeah, but yeah. well i think for the hunter the public land b zone hunt or, or blacktail hunt. I don't care whether you have this special hunt or it's a regular season or archery. You earn it. This this is a tough hunt. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going to earn the bucks that and you, you pull out of this country. Five to ten deer a day, right? I mean, the density of deer, which I've kind of been surprised. I thought we'd be seeing more deer, but it's just not high densities of deer. But you're in an area that can produce, you know, world class blacktails. So that's obviously the trade-off is is you're not in an area that's that's got high numbers but it's it is big buck country well and and it's big country you know everybody talks about nevada oh my gosh big country and in nevada well that's true but how many deer do you see when you're in nevada maybe if you have a crappy day you see 20 deer in Mm -hmm. nevada Mm -hmm. uh, hunting some of that big wide open stuff you come here and like you said lucas what have we been averaging probably in between five and 20 at the most at the most 20 at the moment i would say five to ten you know deer a day and i mean we saw a good portion of them have been bucks i mean rick, we're seeing rick and bucks. i saw 10 10 deer tonight and and three for sure bucks which i mean that that's that's really, a stel- I think that's a stellar day that was a stellar day yeah. you know you and i saw a couple young bucks this morning saw a few does here and there but i mean it wasn't yeah, well, we saw one doe and three bucks this morning. Yeah. Oh, not counting the ones that were way down low. Yep. So, and that is another thing there, you know, that for those people that don't realize there's a lot of private land in California. So, uh, you got to be really good on your maps to make sure that you're not stepping yeah. on somebody else's dirt because that, that creates issues that you don't want to be involved in. But, um, yeah. No, it's well, been fun. This is. I mean, I like I said, we're I'm used to B's or A zone hunting where 
we hunt blacktails down where we live and this is just a whole different experience here you know well, different topography i mean you're literally in cedars and pinion and pine and then you get into oak i mean it's just the the landscape here is just it's it's incredible you know and manzanita bush and all different types of just all different types of 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 different plant life here that we just don't have down in a zone right and some of the country was awesome. I mean, I know, Lucas, you've said it a couple times. Man, this is just absolutely gorgeous out here. But what people don't realize is we go from the river all the way up into the mountain streams and the little seeps on the side of the hill. We got quail jumping all over, wild pigeons, you know, mountain pigeons. And we have, you know, we have bobcats. We have mountain lions. We have black bear. We have coyotes. You, you, yeah, you name pigs, it. pigs, wild pigs Wild out here. pigs, deer. We haven't seen any elk, but you said actually they have some elk in, in, mm-hmm. in some of this yeah. area. But um, it's been just off the charts in regards to wildlife. But we've been grinding it yeah. from sunup to sundown every day. And it ain't anywhere near over because, you know, we got at least... We've had a nice bed to sleep in the last few nights. Now we're going to be sleeping under the stars after this. So Back yeah. to camping. It, only, it only gets better. Yeah. yeah, and the temperature, knocking on wood, the temperature says it's supposed to drop. Of course, in uh, two days from now, it's supposed to be really windy, which, you know, we had a, we had that fun windstorm the last time. Oh, my God, that was miserable. Hopefully now. that's not the case. Deer don't like the wind, but can't control Mother Nature. No. All we can do is keep going and turn something up hopefully so oh my god it's one minute to nine i turn into a pumpkin at nine o'clock all right well even when i'm drinking mountain dew yeah that must be the cue yeah is that what had you snoring That's so good last night that you oh, were man. a pumpkin Jeez, you I, had to guys, turn on. I can't believe i did I had to turn not on, snore i had to turn on the water and the heater last night i do not yeah. know Rick's like, what man, you're talking about the water? Yeah, and then I jason, I had a leak. jason in the middle of the night man someone turned the heater on i'm like no that's actually the white noise machine on my phone to cover up your snoring you guys had leaks all right i'm telling you you woke me both up i can't believe you guys wake me up like that no i think you uh you did your fair share you had the walls rattling in this place buddy Need some better insulation, big man. (laughs) I could hear you through the walls. (laughs) Hey, this is a nice place. We appreciate you putting us up. And like you said, maybe we'll have to get Wyatt up here and go for a black bear hunt since we've seen quite a few black bear running around. Um, Yeah. I've been enjoying spending the time. And, you know, i got a pretty fair amount of hunting experience in me, and you guys have been kind of clue me in on some uh, equipment uh, you know <laughs> deals and some you know glassing techniques that i, I can see I, I mean it paid off the deal yeah. i saw I, I probably wouldn't have saw those bucks if i had my handheld binocular just that yeah rest alone steadied me out enough to make Man, out that pop, it was a deer that, you popped that one too i was just actually at the stage where i was thinking well it's that point where i know there's no way we're going to do any stalking or anything like that and we probably should get out of here and you're like there's a deer and you're like, it's right above that flat. And I, I knew right where you're talking. I just glassed right up there, and I'm like, holy crap, it's Buck. And it was a nice one, too. So well, this might really help me on my uh, veteran hunt that we do in Colorado because we hunt a lot of oak brush there, and it's a lot like this stuff. It's really hard to see the deer, mm-hmm. and so glassing is important. And yep. uh, I'll, I'll be incorporating the uh, some of your guys' techniques, you know, to— 
try to find those bucks because they're they're hard to find there. You know what's fun when you actually do that though, and you got your tripod all set up and your binoculars on there, and the guy goes, oh, "I just can't freaking see it." You go, "Hold on one second, and just step back. And go, don't touch the tripod. Right, just look through it. Just, just look. look through it. Don't touch it. Just look through it, and then." Tell them to be patient because Lucas actually this morning the bucks you spotted this morning, you you you're like they're right there and you set my binoculars up and I'm looking I'm thinking, God I don't see anything I didn't touch the tripod and then all of a sudden one of them turned his head and you're like, bam right. just that yeah, fast yeah. you're like there he is right but there. But if you're offhand trying to do that right there's always just enough movement if they're moving and you're moving it, it you yeah, can't always see your eye doesn't yeah, register yeah, 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 yeah. it yeah you lose that perception of them moving versus when it's still and you see movement when your eye captures the movement i mean we were looking today and we were seeing <laughs> crows fly up and it grabs your attention but it's anytime you see an anomaly that's when that you know that triggers your brain to yeah, say hey yeah, it's something's yeah. different there. something's different exactly yeah. yeah it's pretty special don't worry rick you know, you've already told me a few things that you need. Just yeah. give me your checkbook. Yeah, yeah. I'll take good care of all those needs for you. You know, you don't have a wife to report to, so just as long as those checks cash, you'll be good. Uh, well, I know <laughs> I know those binoculars I have are, are older, but, you know, I've had, stuff. I've had those things for 25 years. And if, you know, if I prorate how much I paid per year to have those things, oh, yeah. it's what, you know, Listen. Easily worth it. Oh yeah! Each and every moment well, I use them. There's nothing wrong with ice glass. And, so. we, and we probably should have a podcast on optics one of these days. But in yeah. my opinion, you know, the investment of a two thousand dollar pair of binoculars. I mean, I've had the same pair of binoculars, geez, for for ten years That's now. What I say you prorate it out for ten or twenty years, and it's like a no brainer. It's chump yeah. chance. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, you a, take it, care you of your equipment, about, right? You don't tr- mistreat it. I mean, I probably missed. Lucas says I mistreat my binoculars a little bit more than most. Well, maybe your son does. <laughs> so much about you, well, but your reflection to him. So I, I'm I'm hard on equipment. I admit it, but at the same time, these things have lasted me a good long time, and I think that they'll last another ten years as long as I don't go too crazy. Yeah, but, but even like you could take Rick's binoculars, put them on a tripod, and. Like oh, I always said, I mean, you don't need, you know, $2,000 pair of binoculars. You put them no, in the best No, no, you need a $2,000 pair of binoculars. Well, but, but, <laughs> but to just see game, to see oh, more yeah. game, you, you, don't, you don't need that. You can get by with a $500 pair of binoculars on a tripod. You'll see more game than trying to do yeah. it with a $2,000 pair offhand. Yeah. No question. No, no, you so guys proved it to it's me. It's a technique that's proven to be very, very useful and been very successful seeing a lot of game doing Th- it that way thank you Dwayne Adams for teaching me that 25 years ago yeah at a mule deer convention really huh. yep you were there yeah. I went to the class but I was selling advertising yeah, at that time I was working that was working a booth or doing something well somebody had to work yeah, I was exactly. I was working the floor yeah I was working you were you were working you know what you they were working they, they never right. paid me though Rick no yeah exactly you ended up working for free I was working for free that's for that's for sure well anyway. but see you, you got something of value oh absolutely it was a definitely a learning thing so anyway well this has been good. stage yeah mr pumpkin we got to put Mr. Pumpkin to bed, put him in his sleeping bag. and Well, thanks for having me on, too. With, yeah, Rick, you know. this has been great. 
enjoy uh, enjoy your company and enjoy getting to know you a little better and and uh, spending some time in the woods i think is no better way to to you know meet somebody and and understand kind of how they click a little better so well when we when we put one in the in the meat shed tomorrow morning we'll have another one of these except we'll have have a couple more beers and 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 have blood on our hands and we'll do it again okay that works. That works. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a good tomorrow plan morning. to me. Yeah. So tomorrow, tomorrow morning. morning we're drawing blood. Doesn't matter what it is or are you at that uh, stage not, yet? Or? No, I'm not at that stage yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if the spike walks out in front yeah. of me. What if, if he that walks, one out? walks Yeah, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to skewer him. Oh, that's a beautiful deer. That is no yeah. doubt. No doubt. No doubt. That's a no-brainer. So. Well, Mr. Rick Bullock, thank you. A to Z Foundation. I'll uh, link that in the uh, podcast. And, uh. Your guys are doing some great things. I, you know, just your stories today, I think, and could inspire someone to, if they hear the podcast, maybe to get a hold of you guys, come to a dinner, you know, and support or support put on the a cause. dinner themselves. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Any of the above, we're, we're open to all of it. And of course, those veterans, if they're uh, looking to get on a hunt or a fishing trip, and they haven't, you know, got themselves into a program yet, then definitely get in contact with us because we want to do the right thing and thank them for their service. Yeah, absolutely. He or she. And lastly, we got to give out one last shout out to John McGannon. Bam! Oh, yeah. Who's not here today, but uh, we did. He use, was invited. We did use some of his seasoning on the halibut tonight. So oh, that just was, for the halibut. Yeah. A little San Francisco pepper rub. Little, Thank you, John. San Francisco, just a little. John, I drank your beer. Out there for him. Rick forced me to do it. I just want to let you know. <laughs> That's all right, John. Right before the uh, the the meal, I had to. Uh, couple of sierras and a lagunitas pale ale you know all in keeping with your uh, direction all in memory of mr mcgannon oh poor john he might have eaten our meal tonight that we made maybe i don't know he's you he'd know? Have probably wanted to cook it himself yeah, he would have taken yeah. over he'd have been like oh my god what are you putting cheese on that yeah what was that Soy sauce, teriyaki, something, something, something sauce. Honey, yeah. Honey glaze. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to go back to episode whatever the number was to, to get that Honey sake, soy glaze. Yeah. Oh. Chicken teriyaki, honey sake, soy glaze or something, yeah. Man, it rolled off his tongue like he had said it 500 billion times. So. Habanero, teriyaki, honey sake, soy glaze or something like that. Yeah, he's... He's, He's a fun else. man, fun Good man. man. So, all right, gentlemen. Okay, let's buddy. Let's get her done tomorrow, let's huh? Get her, let's Sounds let's good. put one in the shack. Hey, let's maybe put two down in the morning, and then we're done. Oh, crap. We put two down in the... We're going to make Rick's day an extra day, just the way yeah, it is. We'll, we'll take might care just have to, yeah. We'll take care of him tomorrow. That Maker's has got, a, got our name on it. Yeah, it'd be an uneasy afternoon drink if we were drinking that. We I'm may game. not make it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm game. We got them both down. Hey, anything can top, happen. You the, never know. Yeah, man, it could happen. Top, In Blacktail country, you you really don't ever yeah. know. And the funniest part is as Rick walked outside and goes, Hey, there's uh, three deer in the shooting range down here. I'm like, what? How big is your light? No. Yeah. Well, he actually told me to get my headlamp. He goes, well, I thought my headlamp was bright until I saw yours. Chasing Cyclops. Hey. 10 million candlelight power. (laughs) When you need light, you need light, man. (laughs) You never know when you're walking out. Hey, listen, I walked out of a canyon in Arizona, and thank God I had that neon bright light because I'd have probably broke my neck coming out of that place. 
But anyway, we well, digress. Rick, thank you again. You're Thanks for the boys. hospitality and and uh, appreciate you putting us up. And Jason, stick and string. Yep, stick and string, baby. Sounds Get them good. in the bubble. Get them in the bubble. A to Z, people. If you want to you wanna do a dinner banquet or vets that need to go on a hunt and get involved in the outdoors, look Rick up. A to Z Foundation. Okay. Dream of big blacktails. Peace out, everybody. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Good night. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded, and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.